If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Nobody has more respect for women than I do. Nobody. Hillary Clinton wants to abolish it, believe me. She wants to abolish our Second Amendment. I think they didn't deny it. I don't think anybody denied it. Other presidents did not call. They'd write letters, and some presidents didn't do anything. Many people have come out and said, I'm right. You really do have to ask yourself, where does it stop? Hello and welcome to Fallacious Trump, the podcast where we use the insane ramblings of a caca fuego to explain logical fallacies. I'm your host, Jim. And I'm your other host, Mark. A logical fallacy is an error in reasoning that results in bad or invalid arguments. And the logical fallacy we're looking at this week is the need for first-hand accounts, also known as the were-you-there fallacy. So, first of all, you might wonder what cacafuego is. Burning shit. Yeah, it does sound like a flaming shit, doesn't yeah. it? That's, that's, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which I don't think is too far off. No, exactly. It's got orange and turd-like. It means a swaggering braggart or boaster. Right. Susie Dent, the woman who does Dictionary Corner on Countdown, has this brilliant Twitter feed and she does kind of unusual words every now and again. Right. And sometimes it's something like that that I think, oh, that would be a good one to use. (laughs) So, (laughs) caca fuego. And they're all kind of politically aware. (laughs) They're frequently topical. Yes, Yes. there you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Caca fuego. Yeah, it's got a mean burning. It's Yeah, it really does seem like it. Yeah. So... Yes, the need for first-hand accounts. This is episode 99. Yay! And in yep. our multiples of 11 episodes, yep. we do... Through some kind of weird self-imposed the, yeah, stuff you it's guys just, It's become a thing yeah. that we definitely do. Yeah. Fallacies that I've identified that are not typically found in lists of fallacies. Mm-hmm. So this is one that I have seen talked about as a common argument that is made by often by creationists. That's where it kind of typically has its home. But I haven't found it in lists of fallacies or or been given a name. So I've I've named it the need for first-hand accounts. And it is basically when people won't accept a point of view, an argument, unless the person making the argument has personal knowledge of the thing they're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rather than the idea that they're just basing it on some otherwise acceptable form of evidence. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, like kind of, yes, objective truth kind of thing, you know, that pesky stuff. Yeah. (laughs) And our first example from Trump this week comes from a plaque at one of his golf clubs in Virginia. Yeah. And between the 14th hole and the 15th tee, there is a flagstone overlooking the Potomac. Mm -hmm. And uh, there is a plaque on the kind of base of that flagstone that says it's the river of blood. Right. And the the plaque says, Many great American soldiers, both of the North and South, died at this spot. The casualties were so great, the water would turn red, and thus became known as the River of Blood. Yeah. The thing is, uh, that ain't true. (laughs) Not by the reckoning of anyone who knows stuff about the Civil War, basically. But Trump's very proud of it. He says, It's my great honour to have preserved this important section of the Potomac River. Yeah. But if you ask 
local historians who know stuff about the, the Civil War, uh, like, for example, Richard Gillespie, the executive director of the Mosby Heritage Area Association, which essentially covers that area yeah. of Virginia. Yeah. He yeah. says, no, nothing like that ever happened here. Nope. The only thing that remotely close to that was 11 miles upriver at the Battle of Bull's Bluff in 1861. Right. Um, so... Yeah, this just didn't happen. But when the New York Times in 2015 questioned Trump about it yeah. and said, look, we've asked historians and this isn't a real thing that happened. Yeah. First of all, Trump said, well, that was a prime site for river crossings. So if people are crossing a river and you happen to be in a civil war, I would say that people were shut. <laughs> which, which is very different from yeah. it being a historical thing. Yeah. It's like... Yeah, but it just stands to reason, doesn't it? You know, people cross, people cross the river. There were there's bullets war. flying around. There's a yeah. war. People were shot. <laughs> yeah, but they might not have been shot there, particularly yeah. if they're going to war. <laughs> Eleven miles up the road, you wouldn't be so <laughs> firing yeah, your so weapons. The, the, the Times pointed out that while it is quite close to a place called Rouser's Ford, where five thousand Confederate troops crossed the Potomac en route to the Battle of Gettysburg, right? No. Soldiers were killed no. during that crossing. It wasn't a thing. No. And that there were no notable Civil War engagements at that spot at all. Right. And Trump's right. response was, yeah. how would they know that? Were they there? So uh, that is right. yeah, requiring first-hand knowledge of historians yeah. about whether... Something you've made up is true or not. Yeah. 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 And... And apart from the fact that obviously exactly the same thing can be asked of of him but and his say, well, claim that there, there was you, a yes, battle exactly. there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he he said it first, so that's so nah. <laughs> but yeah, the point is historians typically don't base their information on stuff they experience themselves. Yes, because, you know, during your tenure as a historian, you know, as soon as you start out, say you graduated from university age 21 in history therefore you are a qualified historian your your knowledge of history doesn't start from then no so you know the stuff that you knew about possibly all the way back to age three i don't know you know <laughs> you know like yeah i've got 18 years of knowledge okay and then, and then it doesn't get wiped out. All of all of that history that's been uh-huh. then gets wiped out till the next generation come along. But then only that only goes from when they're twenty one onwards. No, it doesn't. That's not how history is studied and how it works. No, famously, but, history tends to to go back longer long than historians' yeah. you know, age span. Yes, there was a fossil fossil found <laughs> that was like four point something billion years old, which kind of. You know, that's a lot longer than most historians. I mean, I know historians are notoriously old-looking because that's what gives them some sense of gravitas. But, yeah, nobody's going... You, you can say, really, you just go, were the dinosaurs? Were you there? Well, I don't think yeah. so. Yeah. It's just so, a childish past, <laughs> isn't it? So it is possible that these Civil War historians are basing their knowledge of what happened and where stuff happened yeah. on things other than what they personally yeah. witnessed. <laughs> yeah, could be, yeah. Probably things like documentation that still exists from the time, like written accounts by people who were who there. Who were there, writing it down, so that history, future historians will be able to read it. 
Yeah. 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 And archaeological digs of various sites where they found evidence of battles and weapons and bones yeah. and all kinds yeah. of things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's there's a lot of things that they can base that kind of stuff on that doesn't require personal experience. Mm. To to legitimise it. So the, yeah. it is very much a uh, a kind of childish response to well you've just made something up so well how do how do they know yeah. how do historians know that how do they well <laughs> scientists say you know, yeah yeah, yeah, well, yeah. They, they say but do they know yeah. and that's the thing it is a it is an extremely naive yeah. question to ask yeah. apart from the fact that it's almost well it is i'm gonna i said almost it's always asked disingenuously yeah. because Anyone who ever asks where you there knows you weren't there. <laughs> yeah. Yes. A, unless you were, and then you get caught out. Yes. But yes. a far more interesting question, which is going to get a conversation and help everyone find out the truth and learn things, is how do you know? Yes. Not not were you there, were but you there? How, yeah. yeah, how do you know? Because that might lead you to finding out the person you're arguing with actually doesn't know and they're basing it on some very shaky information yeah. or it might lead you to finding out what they're basing their information on yeah in which case you learn something yeah so <laughs> yeah, yeah. a think... better way to approach this is to <laughs> ask how do you know that <laughs> just, but that that kind of and, I, and whilst you're saying that i'm looking at trump's blank face <laughs> going well no this is this is uh, the, the See, all of history is stuff that he's made up. That so <laughs> yeah, yeah. he's he, you know he's doing that. He was there, so he's made it up, or he wasn't there, but it doesn't matter because he made it up. Because actually, that history of the River of Blood, he made up <laughs> in 1975 or whenever it was he bought the place. So it's for him that's historical. This is good as that's yeah, good yeah, as absolutely yeah. So uh, our second example comes from when Trump was accused in Maggie Haberman's book of shoving White House documents, like presidential right. documents, down the toilets in the White House. Because right. right. you know, you just when you're criming, you've got to get rid of the you've evidence got to get rid somehow. Of it. Yeah, that's what you do. When the when the feds knock at the door, yeah. and you wouldn't want to use one of the many many fireplaces in the White House, so instead you shove it down the toilet the and toilet. flush the toilet. Yeah. But he defended himself uh, on Fox by saying this: "They act like they know me, like she knows me. I haven't spoken to her in a very very long time. She knows me no better than any other writer. But they write books like they know, and then they make things like that up. And." Uh, there would be no way of her knowing if it were the facts. There would be no way of her understanding that or knowing it. But it's a totally fake story made up by her. So there would be no way of her knowing it. Now, he doesn't explicitly say she wasn't there, but I feel yeah. like that's what that's he's, he's of... going for. <laughs> yes, exactly, because that, that for him is very important. Yeah, I mean, it's, den it's denying that she would have another way of knowing other yeah. than being there, kind of. Looking because down the... The job. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. I mean the thing is, she is she is basing it from her own reports on staff members at the White House who she has talked to, yeah. who other reporters have also talked to and corroborated that this yeah. is what they say. Eyewitness statements <laughs> that they were frequently called to the Oval Office uh, and to the to the residents to unclog the toilets, unclog yeah. toilets that were full of documents. Yeah. So yeah. 
Yeah, there are other ways to know stuff other than and, seeing well, them yes, yourself. Report, well, in the similar way of reporting the evidence of written records from the time of the Civil War, so that if you're reporting other people's eyewitness mm -hmm. accounts and that they've been kind of verified and um, confirmed as pro most probably being true, and then you talk about that, you, it's not necessary for you to see it, if you're talking about somebody else who has definitely seen it. I mean, the other thing, which I'm not going to get into because I could do an entire, like, Wonder Woman 84 length <laughs> bonus episode about it, is that eyewitness testimony is actually one of the worst kinds of evidence mm. you can get. It is, mm. it is praised and seen by jurors as the gold standard yep. in many cases. But actually, it's terrible. And what it, what they call circumstantial evidence, which is evidence that doesn't directly prove a th person did a thing, but sets up the circumstances, yeah, is actually way better and, and way more useful. And it includes things like fingerprints and DNA and all kinds of stuff like that. Yeah, and it's way more reliable in almost every case. Although, yeah. again more time on the extended episode about this would be on the actual unreliability of a lot of forensic evidence that is seen as reliable by lay people a lot generally it's much better <laughs> the, than. the eyewitness yeah. evidence that yeah. people put forward and say well that proves it is one of the worst kinds of evidence you can get. yeah because it yeah there, well it was a member of the staff snorting cocaine <laughs> in the car park and yeah. uh, well, no actually it wasn't can't have been no, but I saw them. Well, yeah, okay. Mm. Were they of the other political party? <laughs> yes, they most definitely were. Okay. Mm. Yeah. So even so, it, it, even if Trump is demanding eyewitness evidence, were you there <laughs> to have seen it? He's kind of skipped over the fact that people have a certain cognitive bias, and that affects what they see or how they interpret or what, what how they, they remember see. what they've yeah. seen. Or yeah, yeah. there's lots yeah. of lots of issues with it. So demanding that is no way of giving you the proof that you're demanding. But, you know, that's you. You weren't there, man. And now is the time, I think, for Mark's British politics. Corner. So when I was thinking about this fallacy, I think I might have struck the come across the, the actual reason for the thing that's been nagging at me. Uh, recently about how people have been reporting to me that suddenly there's a lot more COVID. And I've been thinking, well, no, it's kind of nagged at me that that's not the case because I think this stems from a version of this fallacy, which is it's needed these people to have personal experience of other people I know getting COVID for it to mean that COVID is worse and in some cases real. So there's that demand for person their their own personal experience. Their yeah, they're overvaluing their own personal experience. Yeah. but compared to what they hear from everyone else. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Or compared, or the the statistics published in the newspaper, which yeah. strangely they're no longer being published in the newspaper. So everybody's going, oh well, it's much more prevalent now because I know three or four people that have just... Everyone's dropping like flies. They go, well, what, compared with the hundreds of thousands before that we didn't... None of whom we knew. And now it's it's just got real. This shit's got real. I mean, it's if you look at the thing. stats that aren't being published in the newspapers, yeah, while it is a lot lower than it was a couple of months ago, 
it's it's a lot higher yeah, than it was uh, <laughs> yeah, during yeah. during periods. Let's say when people were wearing masks and staying in their houses. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yep. Indeedy. And, the, we're, and we're... the government was saying, yes, it is a real thing. <laughs> yeah. Whereas now yeah, they're yeah. like, that's fine. You don't that's need to fine. worry we're, about we're it anymore. We've just got to live with it. Yeah. yeah. Because they've just, you know, they've gone all Pontius Pilate in in an Easter related way <laughs> over it. They go, that'll be fine. Just wash your hands like we are mm-hmm. of the entire thing <laughs> and we can move on. Nobody's interested in that anymore. He's too busy looking after his own career. Speaking of which, um, in speaking to the Scarborough News on the 13th of April 2022, Scarborough and Whitby MPs, Sir Robert Goodwill, declared his support for Boris Johnson. This was after he'd been in receipt of, Boris, that is, of a fixed penalty notice issued to the prime criminal um, after hosting parties during lockdown when they were illegal. So he was found guilty and charged and fined for attend or hosting or being at an event being ambushed by cake (laughs) being ambushed by cake yeah Um, during lockdown when they're not supposed to be and in response to robert goodwill still said oh yeah no he's fine he's it'd be fine because nobody said to me that because of that event somebody got infected and died it's not like he went to an old people's home or hospital without testing and spread the disease around. And as a direct response, people died. So, I mean, that, apart from the what the actual fuck, <laughs> so you kind of go. And I think at the root of that, what the actual fuck response is, that there are two occurrences of that of this fallacy in there. One, nobody has personally told me that because of the event, someone died. So because nobody has so he's appealing for a first-hand account. Nobody said to me that someone has died as a direct result of Boris Johnson holding this event or attending this party or being ambushed by cake. So therefore, having the event was fine. And then the two is, it's not like he went anywhere and personally affected some, infected someone and gave them COVID and killed them. So... Yeah, that, I mean, there's, there's, two, right there. there's two aspects of that that I... I find also what the fuck yeah, <laughs> is yeah. it's like saying it's first of all dying is a really is quite a high bar mm. <laughs> it's yeah I mean fair that it is um more noticeable <laughs> yeah yeah uh, but yeah but it doesn't mean he didn't give someone long covid or result yeah, in exactly. you know that kind of thing um yeah but it's like saying drunk driving is fine so long as you don't kill anyone. Yeah. If you hit them a bit, but they're all right. Yeah, but, that's that's all right. Nobody is so long as nobody dies. Yeah, maybe Just, because yeah. the dead men don't talk. <laughs> so you know, you're not going to be. It'd be fine if you hit somebody in the dead of night on an empty motorway. After mm-hmm. between the pub and your house, and you, if and, you think it's a deer, and you you just drive you, on, it's yeah, it's fine. it's fine. Nobody, nobody's personally told nobody's me because mentioned. of that. Somebody's nobody <laughs> mentioned it. Yeah, yeah. So uh-huh. I need an actual first-hand account of somebody saying what Fucking you did. But, yeah, yeah. There's an appeal for what Johnson did to have a direct first-hand effect for it to be meaningful rather than Johnson's behaviour to be condemned as an actual breaking of the very law about not holding parties during lockdown that he put in place. So, yeah, he had first-hand experience of the law being (laughs) 
put through the statute books about it being illegal to hold any gatherings during the lockdown period. And then he held gatherings during the lockdown period. This against the context, incidentally, that during lockdown, Scarborough consistently ranked the highest for COVID fixed penalty notices and illegal indoor gatherings in North Yorkshire, with more than 630 handed out by the end of May 2021. North Yorkshire police were called to a number of lockdown house parties with one man even attempting to hide in a loft. So it can't have been Boris because he would have been hiding in a fridge. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And uh, and in talking about the, the this whole thing and the Allegra Stratton resignation and all that kind of stuff, Robert Hutton, writing in The Critic on 8th of December 2021, mentioned it's a bit like the quote about remembering the 60s. And he said, if you had to resign over the Downing Street party, you weren't there. <laughs> so, yeah. So, OK. So the our second example is on uh, LBC's talk radio on 24th of April. So last week, Rachel Johnson, yes, Boris's sister, agreed with haunted pencil and minister for the 19th century, Jacob Rees-Mogg, who is calling civil servants back into the office and not to be working from home. I'm in the middle of a, a administrative bureaucratic um, nightmare at the moment uh, to do with probate. And the the delay for probate because people are working from home, I think, is up to a year. Um, the way that driving licences and all this is being held up, it's holding up people's lives because people are sitting at home working from home. They're on their pelotons. They're not on their bikes trying to find jobs. They've got jobs, but they're on their pelotons. They're watching Netflix and they're doing home working. Now, I know there will be people who say it's much easier to combine childcare or caring for elderly parents with homeworking and I take that point. So I think there's there's two in there. There's one her her entire reasoning of the 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 fact that this is helding people up people's lives, mm. as she says, is because of her own experience waiting for probate for a year. That could be because her father Stanley Johnson is not actually dead. Um, so that's that bit where she's saying, okay, so here's my first ad account and that's all the proof I need that the entirety of the civil service that processes driving licenses and uh, death certificates and all that stuff, it's all grinding to a halt. And then in what feels like a flip of that need for a first-hand account is an assumption of her first-hand account that they're riding pelotons and watching Netflix. And she says, now I know there'll be people who say, but she doesn't say, now I know there'll be people who say, how the fuck do you know that? <laughs> Were you there? There's that thing. But she, so she she knows that then, they're, so they're working from home, but they're not working. They're riding their pelotons, watching Netflix and organising daycare for the elderly and their children. And yeah. I mean, the thing is, studies show when you actually look at the science that working yeah. from home increases productivity yeah um yep. so chances are in the aggregate most f apart from the fact that pelotons are fucking expensive um so yeah <laughs> the vast yeah. majority of people rachel johnson don't have pelotons but yeah. um yeah. but yeah people 
in the or in Netflix. the in the main, people aren't rising their pelotons and watching Netflix. People are getting on with their fucking work, yeah. and they're doing and it with the benefit of not having to do sometimes like an hour or two hour commute. Commute, exactly. Um, and by doing that, are therefore more productive in in not just many cases, but on average, it you know yeah. productivity yeah. as a whole goes up. Yeah, with an increase that- in home working. But then that's talking to to experts yeah. that don't. don't yeah, yeah. You know, but they weren't they, there. They they've just were, they've just yeah. studied the aggregate of how much yeah, yeah. But, work but gets done. Not there. Um, <laughs> also, I don't know yeah. how much personal experience Rachel Johnson has of probate, but yeah. a year isn't that long. It's no. it's a fucking nightmare. Long. Probate. Yeah, exactly. My great uncle died five years ago, and his yeah. his will isn't still isn't sorted out. Wow! Because it is just sort out all of the possible descendants. There's all kinds. Yeah, there's all kinds yeah. of crap that goes on, and that's not um, down to the people working from home. That's down to just the complications of trying to trace relatives all manner stuff the, yeah yeah, yeah. It's, so, it's, so it's nothing to do with her 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 first hand account of the difficulty she having she's she is having which is leading her a one time critic of Boris Johnson to agree <laughs> with Reese Mogg who's just being a bully and getting people to go back to work because that's what it says in their in their contract of employment that's uh, yeah so speaking of experts and uh, relying on them for evidence, the, our next example, Femi Olawole, who's a British political activist, co-founder of the pro-European Union advocacy group Our Future, Our Choice, talked on his Facebook channel recently about how the government is failing to support its people because Brexit. People are struggling to heat their homes and feed their kids and fuel their cars. And the government can help. They can do stuff like cutting taxes, raising benefits, introducing a basic universal income. So why aren't they? The only reason they wouldn't pay for that is if they thought that we'd struggle to pay off that debt in the future, which means they're not giving people the help they need because of how they think the economy will do long term. And this government knows that there is one thing, one thing, affecting the UK economy long term, and that is Brexit. And the Office of Budgetary Responsibility, i.e. the economic brain of our government, so the damage that Brexit is doing to our economy long term is twice as bad as the pandemic. Now, obviously, the Tories are going to tell you that that's just Remainer nonsense. But how would they know that? Boris Johnson isn't an economist. Motherfucker studied poetry at university. There you go. So that, <laughs> the, the garbled phrase there is um, Remainer nonsense. So uh, in the Brexit referendum, there was the Leave campaign and the Remain campaign. And ever since... We've left all the stuff that remain as kind of said, yeah, these are the things that are going to happen, have come true, but they're dismissed as remain a nonsense. So that Office of Budgetary Responsibility, they're the ones that are saying, yes, actually, the Brexit is going to affect us much worse than the pandemic by, you know, a factor of 100 percent. And that's dismissed as remain a nonsense. And he's saying... Well, how does Johnson know that that's nonsense? Is he an economist when he studied poetry at university? So he's requiring <laughs> him to have first-hand experience yeah. of 
economics. So this is something that we'll come back to in the fallacy in the wild. Right. But it is part of this fallacy, in my opinion, is, mm-hmm. is um, you know, do you... Do you personally have expertise on this subject that you're talking about? Yeah. And I think it is more valid to ask that question when the person you're asking it of is going against the consensus of experts. Right. If they are going along with, if they are saying experts say this, then saying, well, are you an economist? It's reasonable to say no, but I'm saying what expert economists say. I am. Yeah, yeah. I am reiterating yeah. that. If if yeah. you are arguing with the expert economists, then I think it is yeah. quite reasonable for someone to say, "Are you an economist?" <laughs> right. Because yes, they're saying, yes. "Okay, by what expertise are you arguing in, their against the yes. yeah the people who we can acknowledge their expertise?" Um, so, yeah. the, in that sense, I think context is quite important to whether this is a fallacious argument or not, and in this specific instance because mm. boris is saying the experts are wrong yeah. and dismissing yeah. what they say i i think femi's okay on on more solid right. ground at least saying well you know on what basis can you claim that now yeah yeah that doesn't mean boris doesn't have a basis for claiming it he may be citing other experts but if he's saying it just off his own well, back and saying you know i yeah. i don't believe these experts well, yeah, well, yes, exactly. And and Femi does go on to say this. They rely on their experts to judge economic decisions and the Office of Budgetary Responsibility, those are their experts. They are the experts. Yeah. So in, in a government, when you don't have expertise, you have experts that brief you from their expertise about the things to do. So during the pandemic, which we talked about before, Boris said, well, yeah, we're going to follow the science until such point as science deviated from policy. Once they realized that actually what it meant was that they were becoming a socialist government and paying people's wages and supporting out of work people and nationalizing travel and all that kind of stuff. So when policy and science diverged, they stopped listening to the experts. And in this in this case as well, they if they listen to the experts, Femi's argument is that they would have to admit that Brexit isn't working. Yeah. And they can't possibly do that because that's the entire backbone of their how they got into office. Yeah. If Boris you know, is uh, citing other experts, he's he's doing it wrong because yeah. the government's experts are the ones who are saying this is not a good thing. Yeah. 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 I I suspect he isn't citing other experts. No, he's no. just thinking we've got to not well experts in PR possibly, you know the haunted pencil himself might be being seen as an expert. Whether or the or the you know the cabinet officer they're going oh for Christ's sake we can't tell anybody <laughs> that let's come up with something else. Uh, yeah, yeah, let's get you off to Ukraine and then we can blame it all on the war. That's yeah. Which, you know, wouldn't you know it, that's what happened.
Santana there, of course, with She's Not There. In the Fallacy in the World, we like to talk about the Fallacy of the Week from a non-political perspective. And as I mentioned, this is an argument often used by creationists. And our first example comes from Mm -hmm. Ken Ham's debate with Bill Nye, the science guy. Ken Ham is proud of using this as an... He, like, teaches it to children as a thing to say when your science teacher (laughs) says dinosaurs existed millions okay. of years ago, yeah, yeah, is to say, were you there? And here he is during the debate with Bill Nye. A lot of what you were saying was really illustrating my point. Uh, you were talking about tree rings and ice layers and uh, talking about kangaroos getting to Australia and all sorts of things like that. But see, we're, we're talking about the past when we weren't there. We didn't see those tree rings actually forming. We didn't see those layers being laid down. So he's claiming that all of the things that scientists yeah. use to measure years and see what happened during those years, we can't rely on yeah. because we weren't there. We didn't but see we there it to, happening. To see them happening. Um, now, the, the ice rings, because I, I, yeah. obviously this is referring back to something that Bill Nye said, so I've done a, a, a quick edit of the, the stuff that Bill Nye was saying about ice rings just to give you an idea of what he's arguing against here. Uh, my scientific colleagues go to places like Greenland, the Arctic, they go to Antarctica... And they drill into the ice with hollow drill bits. And we pull out long cylinders of ice, long ice rods. And these are made of snow. And by long tradition, it's called snow ice. And snow ice forms over the winter as snowflakes uh, fall and are crushed down by subsequent layers. They're crushed together and trapping the little bubbles and the little bubbles must needs be ancient atmosphere. There's nobody running around with a hypodermic needle squirting ancient atmosphere into the bubbles. And we find certain of these cylinders to have 680,000 layers, 680,000 winter-summer cycles. Uh, Let's say we have 680,000 layers of snow ice and 4,000 years since the Great Flood, That would mean we'd need 170 winter-summer cycles every year for the last 4,000 years. I mean, wouldn't someone have noticed that? (laughs) Wow. Wouldn't someone have noticed that there's been winter-summer, winter-summer 170 times one year? And it's not just winter-summer, winter-summer 170 times one year. It's like that's average over the last 4,000 years since Ken Ham claimed there was a great flood during which people were eyewitness to that yeah absolutely that's yeah within recorded history and he talked yeah. about the um the yeah. tree rings he goes on to talk about how the there are trees yeah. that are older than kenham claims the earth is um and we know that from counting yeah. the rings yeah. and we we see their growth cycles within the the body of the tree um and the kangaroo thing that he brought up was about how if in 4,000 years, kangaroos had got off Noah's Ark in Turkey and travelled to Australia right. over land bridges that no one's ever been yeah. able to find. Yeah. We would expect to see kangaroo bones and kangaroo fossils along that route. Along the way, 
and reports yeah. of them and people possibly doing drawings of them. Yeah, yeah, whereas in fact we only find evidence that of kangaroos in Australia, ever. Yeah. So yeah. Ken Ham's assertion that the reason that we can't rely on this evidence <laughs> of, yeah. of the ice layers that we see being laid down year by year and we can yep. count 680,000 of them and we can count the tree rings that are 9,000 years old and we can we can look for kangaroo fossils. We can't rely on any of that because we weren't there. Yeah. It's a pretty shitty argument. It's a shitty argument, but, uh, but equally because he's basing the existence of the world only being 4,000 years well, we weren't there. He, he, Ken Ham, mm. can't have been there because he's not 4,000 years old. So yeah. how does he know well. that there was nothing before the flood and now there and that and everything was after the flood? Well, creationists or... have a, mm. a clever uh, riposte to that. Uh, okay. When you say, well, okay. no, I, I wasn't there. Were you there? Uh, they yeah. say, we know someone who was there, which is God. Uh, right. Yeah. who was an eyewitness to all of it, and right. he's the most reliable eyewitness because he's God. Yeah. And uh, he wrote down everything he knows in a book. Oh, there you go, yeah. Yeah, so it's a it's a very bad argument, but there you go. Uh, so our second yeah. example comes from This Is Spinal yeah. Tap, and yeah. this is when Janine, who's kind of the Yoko Ono of the group, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. David St. Hubbins' yeah. girlfriend, is complaining about their latest album. <laughs> might have been better if the uh, album had been mixed right. Well, it's yeah, very it's it was yeah, supposed to be. Of course, that's true. I mean, it was. Well, it just wasn't. It was mixed all wrong, wasn't it? It was I mean, mixed wrong. Yeah, you, Were you there? Couldn't hear the, the album. Heard, so your judgment is it was mixed wrong. You couldn't hear the lyrics on all of it. You don't I mean, agree that you can't hear the vocals? No, I do, I do not agree. No. no well, no, I think no, maybe it's interesting that she's bringing it up. Well, she'd like to hear it's the vocals. I mean, it's like she'd you're like saying, you know, you're using your own conditioner for your hair. You know, it's, it's, oh, don't it looks sort of... Well, it's just because you don't, you don't do heavy metal in Dobby, you know. I mean, in what? Like... In what? What? Dobby. You can't. In Dobby. I mean, you can't. In Dobby. She means Dolby, all right? She means Dolby. You know, it's perfectly well what she means. She kind of undermines her own argument. Absolutely. Unfortunately. Nigel questions her expertise. Yeah. By by well, first of all, he says, "Were you there? You know, is, how do you know it wasn't yeah, mixed? Were you there when it was mixed? There? When it was mixed wrong? Yeah, yeah." And they make the reasonable point that she is making a judgment based on listening to it and you know what mm. you can hear. And mm. yeah, fair enough. Kind of, it is. You yeah. you can tell if something has been mixed so poorly that you can't hear the vocals. And yeah. and hearing the vocals was it was the intent. Then it's been mixed wrong. You don't necessarily need to know about mixing itself. But yeah, Nigel questions her expertise and and says it's a bit like me asking you about your hair conditioner. And uh, and then yeah, she kind of undermines her own expertise. Yeah. I think the a bit uh, there. Um, the conditioner bit is a kind of an inconsistent comparison. Kind yeah. of thing. <laughs> Reason she's saying that is because her. Her boyfriend is the vocalist. Yeah, that's that's the thing. That's kind of the the point that actually Nigel kind of almost touches on. He said, "Well, no, it's, yeah, it's interesting, interesting you're bringing you're it up. It's yeah, the, yeah. You're bringing that up because that, yeah, you know, whereas if the like the bass player, nobody says, <laughs> yeah, we can't hear the bass.' 
big, you know, the bass player's wife doesn't get a look in. So our third example is actually something that we covered in our bonus episode on uh, one of the right-wing YouTube channels, Stephen Crowder. Ah, yes, yes, yes. And yep. this was a video of Dana White, the UFC guy, who was giving yep. a press conference and he was talking about how hard it was to get hold of monoclonal antibodies and also ivermectin. First of all, he was talking about monoclonal antibodies and how when he'd had COVID, it was really good for him. It helped him. And now you can't get it anymore. And the reason you couldn't get it anymore was nothing to do, in fact, with, with the fact that he and Joe Rogan had been talking about it which was his theory, yeah. but was the fact yeah. that the doctors, the experts, had looked at it and, yeah. and decided it actually wasn't that helpful for the Omicron variant. So they wanted yeah. to keep them back in case there was a more dangerous that variant. would be more effective that on. It, exactly, yes. that it would actually help people yeah. with. Yeah. So that was the, the nefarious reason why you couldn't get hold of it anymore. But he pivoted yeah. to also talking about ivermectin and a member of the assembled reporters asked him a question and you're, we're, we're ta- not talking about um experimental drugs or things that you said this stuff's been around and they got the ivermectin the you're guy a doctor won, the guy won the nobel peace prize you're a doctor huh you're a doctor I'm no but there's plenty See? of doctors there you go. that do uh here he comes <laughs> i just asked a question are you a doctor no but i but i but i took them and they both work for me so why shouldn't i be able to take them again First of all, the guy who developed ivermectin did not win the Nobel yeah. Peace Prize. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, he did win yeah. a Nobel Prize yeah. but for developing an antiparasitic drug, which is not yes. what ivermectin is being used for when people use it to treat COVID. Antiviral, yes. And yeah. the fact that in Dana White's opinion... It helped him when he had COVID, when he also took monoclonal antibodies, which have been proven to help, yeah. is not evidence that it works and not a reason yeah. that everyone should be able to take it. But yeah. the question, are you a doctor, as I was saying before, is asked more appropriately when someone like Dana White is talking against the consensus of experts. And and he yeah. him saying, well, ivermectin worked for me, so everyone should be allowed to have a, ivermectin. Everyone should be prescribed ivermectin. In fact, for uh, for COVID, it's not that unreasonable to say, are you a doctor? Because he yeah. is expressing a medical opinion which goes against yes. the majority of doctors. Yes, but equally, to express an opinion about something which has been as widely reported and as widely studied as as these kinds of as covid cures whether it's hydroxychloroquine ivermectin paxlovid whatever yeah you don't necessarily need to have personal medical expertise you you can right. have yeah, yeah. read yeah. A, a sufficient amount about it understood the mechanisms and you know understood what the medical consensus is and be expressing an opinion based on that. You don't have to be a doctor. If you're going to say doctors are wrong and we should be allowed to do it, having yeah. personal medical expertise would be in your favour. Yeah. But as we've seen with Stella Emanuel, <laughs> yeah. the doctor, the actual doctor, who who yeah. reckons that COVID is because of, what was it, demons fucking you or something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, yeah. you know, yeah. it's not a guarantee. <laughs> no. 
<laughs> that having that having actual medical training would give you the unquestioned ability, <laughs> I guess, to kind of put forward a medical opinion on the fuckability of demons. Yeah. Mm. So I was looking through for some reason the story the Alec Baldwin on the the rust set and the gun and all that kind of stuff and came across this this tweet. Baldwin had gone into hospital and all that kind no, of stuff. Joel Souza went into hospital. He got shot in the shoulder, the director of the film. Oh, okay. Yes, yes, yes. Because he also got... That's right. Yes, yes, oh. yes. Um, and Francis Fisher tweeted, uh, Director Joel Souza told me he's out of hospital. And then somebody with the username Petty <laughs> <laughs> tweeted, Oh, well, did he actually talk to you? Oh, you are so cool and must be a really important person. What a fucking poser you are. And then Francis Fisher went, I'm in the cast. <laughs> Do some research. So there's that kind of, there's that appeal to, I, you know, did you really, do you really have a first-hand account, <laughs> you know, for, of, of, this, you know, do you really have a relationship? Were you really there? Did you really ask? And she just goes, yeah. yeah, I'm in, I'm in the cast. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, which is lovely. It's kind of something really nicely satisfying about that. And then the other one I found was uh, Frederick Forsyth, who writes military-based thrillers, all that kind of stuff. He was writing in the Daily Express in uh, 2010, uh, and he was so in May, and he was saying, Last October, Paul and Rachel Chandler, foolish perhaps but harmless, were seized by Somali pirates on their tiny yacht and to towed towards Somalia. They were transferred by the thugs to the pirates' mothership, but a few yards away was the Royal Navy Fleet Auxiliary Wave Knight. The Royal Fleet Auxiliary had a squad of armed and ready-to-go Marines with submachine guns and a heavy MG. Some sort machine of gun. big gun. Machine gun. Oh, okay, there you go. That's one of those big fuckers. Yeah. They begged to be allowed to rescue the Chandlers, but the captain foolishly asked London's permission, refused, and again, then it was too late. Ever since, the MOD has claimed it would not have been possible without endangering the Chandlers. How would they know 6,000 miles away? My information is that the Marines know damn well they could have done it and the Chandlers have been living in a living hell ever since. I believe the Marines are still fuming, but silently, and the poor Chandlers may well die in agony down there. More knee-trembling cowardice from London, like Basra, this needs exposing. So there's something about the... How would they know, because they weren't there, that he's levelling against the Ministry of Defence, because they're 6,000 miles away in London, and this was somewhere off the coast of Somalia... And then also, he's placing himself there because he's saying, I know, because my information, well, where's that yeah. come from? You know, a government source has <laughs> told me, well, you've just made it up there. My information is that the Marines know damn well they could have done it. Yeah, yeah. And, it's, and the whole thing is smacks of him pretending he's a member yeah. of the SAS. Yeah, he might he as well say, about stuff. if I was writing it, <laughs> this, would, yes, this exactly. is what would have happened. I would have had them <laughs> don't do it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, it's, it's kind of, and it's so apt that it's in the Daily Express, <laughs> yeah. which is a kind of Daily Mail wannabe. Uh -huh. You know, it's like fuming against 
the bureaucracy that stops people being saved and or yeah yes and and wouldn't you know it, 10 years later the story about somali pirates by frederick Forsyth. <laughs> so before we move on to fake news this week i just want to say a quick thank you to a listener meredith who pointed out that one of our adverts that was played on one of our last episodes was from yep. a christian apocalypse website called rapture wow. 2061 wow that's kind of in a way it's kind of ironically apt kind of really yeah it kind of you know it's kind of it you know it's it, it's if we were going to put in a comedic segment that sort of in the middle of all this critical thinking then there is this thing that is <laughs> outrageously uncritical of thought yeah that would be the thing we would do. It's exactly. Yeah, so somewhere between a Stacey Abrams ad and our, the beginning of our episode was this thing for yeah. a, for this Christian Apocalypse website, wow. which, which appears yeah. from what I've seen to be kind of a mix between trying to sell this book about the rapture and uh-huh. grifting, selling kind of baker buckets and that kind of stuff, like survival okay. stuff. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. obviously that isn't the kind of advertiser we would choose. No kind of stuff we would study <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and point out the problems with. So yeah. firstly, thank you for pointing that out. But also, mm. please kind of do be vigilant about that kind of stuff and do tell us because... We can't hear them here. Yeah, the, the, yeah. the adverts are programmatic. Our media hosts, Red Circle, deal with all of that kind of stuff behind the scenes and, and dynamically yeah. include ads that are geo-targeted and targeted presumably to particular demographics and stuff like that. Uh, so we don't necessarily hear the same. In fact, we definitely don't hear the same ads that you hear. So I don't always yeah. know what's being advertised. But they do have ways that you can restrict various categories. And we have restricted religious ads. We, we always have. Um, yeah. So this one had either been miscategorized, slipped through the net or whatever. I got in touch with the the media hosts and let them know about it. And they've said, sorry, it won't happen again. But in case it happens again... (laughs) Yeah, let us know. Please do let us know. Yeah, if you hear something that you think is uh you know a bit right. a bit woo or you know just should yeah. just you wouldn't expect <laughs> us to be happy with that with about this stuff yes <laughs> let us know yeah and we will make yeah. sure that that kind of ad doesn't get played again so we're gonna we're gonna play fake news folks i love the game it's a great game i understand the game as well as anybody as well as anybody Yes, it's time for Fake News, the game where I read out three Trump quotes, two of which are real and one I made up, and Mark has to figure out which one is fake news. See, I could have been winning all this time. See, you don't know, man. You weren't there. <laughs> oh, no. Except, yeah, except I was except I was there. I was there except, for all of it. Except you were Yeah. <laughs> Through thick yeah. and thin. That's where my argument falls to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's what's wrong with your argument. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. this week... We are going with moments from the Mm -hmm. interview between Donald Trump and Piers Morgan, which is the kind of matchup where uh, you don't really care who wins so long as someone dies. Piers Morgan uh, has a new show called Piers Morgan Uncensored on a new TV channel called Talk TV. Mm. Uh, It started last week, and the intro to his show is... it's, It's UK based actually oh but God, you can yeah. you can watch it i think on probably fox nation yeah of course you can <laughs> yeah, yeah and uh, the intro is so the day-to-day it is ridiculous right <laughs> yeah but in his first two episodes he had mm-hmm. an interview that he did with trump 
And right. so these are some quotes from that interview. Some insanities. Number one, mm-hmm. he asked Trump the kind of the question du jour. Yeah. What is a woman? Uh, yes. And Trump said, someone who is biologically a woman. I think most Americans can figure out who's a woman and who's a man. The birds and the bees stuff, it's been a while, but I think I remember the general gist of the differences. To have a hard time answering that question is kind of odd to me. Someone who can give birth to a child, a mother, is a woman. Someone who has a uterus is a woman. It doesn't seem that complicated to me. I mean, a woman has a vagina, right? Fucking needs to check. (laughs) It's been a while. Yeah, was that it? Wasn't that it? Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Statement number two, he was asked about immigration. Yeah. And he said, we have an invasion coming in. This this is bigger than any army is coming in, and it's not 2 million people. I believe it's 10 or 12 million people a year. At the end of Biden's term, I think you'll have 30 to 40 to 50 million people will have come into our country. Many of these people are not people that would ever qualify for any country. Many are people released from prisons from other countries. Okay. <laughs> that accelerated quickly. <laughs> God. It's not two, it's 10 or 12 a year. There'll be 30, 40, 50 to just keep, let me talk. I can talk it up to 120 if you like. Well, not people that would ever qualify for any country. Uh And uh, statement number three. Yeah. This was about when he visited the Queen. Right. And uh, he said, we had a great time and then they honoured the United States, but they honoured me that night, which is really the honour of the country. And it was at the top level. And I sat next to her and we talked the whole night and somebody said, we've never seen her smile so much. We had a great time. She was laughing and smiling. They said they've never seen her have such a good time at a state dinner. You know, normally they're a little boring. OK, this wasn't boring. Well, that, yeah, none of that's true, of course. Yeah, because if, if, if they'd put in a sir, that's like, yes, yeah, sir, we've never seen her smile so much. Even more, obviously. <laughs> Tears in their eyes. Yeah, <laughs> she was slapping her thigh. She's banging the table. Couldn't believe it. Her sides were hurting from laughing so much. Um, okay, the two. Well, okay. So, well, for me, it's a toss-up between one and three being the one that you made up. And, and it's going to turn out to be two, isn't it? Uh, well, it's, it's the bigger than any army is coming in. Seems very Trump-like. Uh, and the birth to a child one. Because there's a gag in there. I think I remember the general gist of the differences. It's been a while. It's too good of a gag for Trump. Sat next to him the whole night. Somebody said, but then again. Uh, okay, I think I'm going to go with number three is the one you made up. Okay, so the other the, two. The, the Queen, yeah. You seem more convinced by number more two. More convinced by number two, yes. Number two. Yeah. Is. Yeah. Real. We have an invasion coming in. This this is bigger than any army is coming in. And it's not 2 million people. I believe it's 10 or 12 million people a year. At the end of Biden's term, I think you'll have 30 to 40 to 50 million people will have come into our country. 
Many of these people are not people that would ever qualify for any country. Many are people released from prisons from other countries. Come into our country. Yeah. I believe I believe it's ten or twelve, and I think so. It's now. There's there's one thing just, that he says there that is true. Yeah. It's yeah. not two million people. Right. <laughs> <laughs> It's not, it's not any of the other numbers he says either. No, it's not two million. Nowhere near that. Yeah, I believe it's this, and I can make it make a worse case by just making up something else. Uh-huh. You know, and he's he's either very clever, or he's just stupidly thinking that if he says I believe or I think, then that makes it real, or he's very cleverly covering. In case somebody says, "Oh, yeah, well, it isn't that," I said, "Well, I only believed it. I only thought that. <laughs> yeah. It's not not actual facts." Yeah, because because so, I wasn't there. <laughs> yeah. So there was a report that said right. that there have um, been almost two million encounters with immigrants trying to cross the border right. by Customs and Border Patrol since yeah. this time last year. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But of those people, eighty percent were sent back kind of immediately right so right so it's actually about four hundred thousand who have entered the u.s during that period who weren't sent back yeah who weren't sent back right um those four hundred thousand are seeking asylum or yep. going through processing to to you know become citizens to, yes so it's not two million it's about four hundred thousand it's not 10 or 12 million either <laughs> nor is it 30 40 or 50 it won't, yeah there's no reason be. to assume it'll be 50 million. 50, there's, there's only 320 million people in the US. That would be a massive That's kind number of 50 million, isn't that? To the add. Population of the UK, and we got 50 million yeah, people. Yeah, it's getting on there. We've got about yeah. 70 million we've got. Yeah, but yeah. 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 That, that, that number of people would, in, would illegally enter the US in four years. It's yeah. fucking insane. Yeah. Also, it says many are people released from prisons from other countries. There's no evidence of that whatsoever. No. That in all of the Americas, in in North America, Central America, South America, yeah. there are currently roughly 3.8 million incarcerated people. That's who are right. in prison or in jail. Yeah, yeah. Over 2 million of those are in the USA or incarcerated in the USA. So... Yeah. So there are more incarcerated people in the US than the entire rest of North America, South America, and Central America put and together. And also, more people incarcerated in the USA <laughs> than are trying to get across the border. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so the idea that there would be any proportion of 50 million people who had recently been released from prison, like his yeah. implication is... Because yep. he says he goes on to say it's we're like a garbage dump for the world. Right. That, that people are being released from prison, like kind of directly into the US. Yeah, they're like, all right, you're out, but you have to go you straight have to the to border. Go straight there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, there that the number of people being released from prison in other countries every year is a, a f- tiny fraction of a percentage of the ridiculous inflated number of people he thinks are getting into the US. And that they so. and many of these people are not people that would ever qualify for any country. Yeah. Well, the ones that are coming through are the ones that do qualify. Yeah. If you don't qualify, you don't come in. That's yeah. 
that's how it works. <sighs> yeah, but of course, this is all because of Biden's porous border, which is right, right, which, nothing to which do is with... somehow yeah porous, despite the fact that. Trump almost finished the wall. He was like two or three yeah. weeks away from finishing the wall, right, yeah. uh, which which done, was going to yeah. solve immigration on its own. Exactly. Yeah. It's, so, it's all it's all completed. Yeah. Yeah, but somehow, despite not having removed any of the wall, it is now much yeah. worse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Than it's, <laughs> it's ever been. Porous. Well, that's because so. we saw the designs <laughs> for the wall. This is basically a very <laughs> broad picket fence, so you can just you know you can walk through it. Yeah. 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 So you also think number one is real? I do. And number yeah. one is? Is. Yeah. Fake news. Oh, man. Should have gone with that. The bloody joke about the. Mainly because I wanted him to say it, I think. <laughs> it was the joke. It was the been a while, but I think I remember the general gist. I was right. Yeah. Too good now, a joke. Too good a joke for Trump. I didn't actually write that. All right. Right. That that is a compilation of two actual Republican politicians who were asked what is a woman uh, pretty soon after the Katanji Brown Jackson hearings, where Marsha Blackburn disingenuously asked the question. The first half is Lindsey Graham. Oh, what? Yeah, yeah. And the second half, starting out, someone who can give birth to a child yeah. is Josh Hawley. Jesus Christ! Who said that someone who has a uterus is a woman, and then. The reporter said, "So people who've had a hysterectomy aren't uh, women? nice, yeah." And and yeah. Hawley went, "Uh, yes, no. Would they? Uh, I mean, a woman has a vagina, right? So yeah, yeah. but if you get gender realignment surgery, uh huh. So yeah, mm-hmm. various examples available online of yeah. Republican politicians finding it's not quite so <laughs> easy so to easy. find a woman. Exactly. Trump did have a go though. Oh right, when because yeah, yeah. he was asked this question, yeah, in relation to transgender athletes, right, specifically Leah Thomas, the uh, swimmer, and uh, this was the answer he gave. I'm not going to respond to the question, but a woman is. A woman is somebody that swims at a certain time and doesn't get beaten by 38 seconds by somebody that wasn't even a good swimmer as a male. So I'm not going to respond. Not going to then respond. But in a very angry way. Yeah, yeah. A woman is someone who swims a particular time and doesn't get beaten by 38 seconds by someone who wasn't even a good swimmer when they were a man. A woman is somebody who doesn't get beaten, but they all got beaten. But they all, yeah. Because he's saying that. A woman who doesn't get It was get very beaten, confused. But the woman who won by 38 seconds didn't get beaten. All the people involved in the race were women. Yeah. But but the one he's specifically talking about winning by 38 seconds that yeah. he says is a man is also yeah. a woman. Uh, but also all the people who she beat are women. So that's just weird. Yeah, yeah. But this idea that Leah Thomas was not a good swimmer in, and I'm doing this in quotes, when she was a man, mm-hmm. pre-transition, yeah. is not true at all. Yeah. Um, she, was, she was an excellent swimmer yeah. um, pre-transition. <laughs> yeah. She yeah. is still an excellent swimmer. She is by no means the best swimmer now, uh, yeah. you know, amongst other women. Yeah. The particular race that he's talking about where Leah Thomas won a race by 38 seconds. That did happen. It happened in the uh, 1,650-yard freestyle uh, at the Zippy Invitational, so not even an NCAA 
division race. Yeah. That race takes 15 minutes to complete. It's a long race. So 38 seconds isn't that huge a difference. Mm-hmm. And it's not a record because the record is held by Katie Ledecky, who swam that distance 54 seconds quicker wow. than Leah Thomas. Wow. Significantly faster. Yeah. Amazingly yeah. fast, that woman is. And Leah Thomas's times for in that race, the 1650, she is now 7.2% slower than pre-transition. Right. And if you look at the, the average times for men and women racing 1650 yards, mm-hmm. women are 6% slower than men. Oh. So she has dropped... Yeah, she's right. she has personally slowed down more than women are slower than men at racing right. that distance. Right. Uh, she did win a 500-metre race, or 500-yard. I don't know if they do it. I guess they probably do the morning yards yeah. uh, in the NCAA. Yeah. But again, didn't break a record. She just happened to win that race that she was in, uh, the NCAA Division One race. And her time was roughly 10 seconds short of the women's record. Right. Um, coincidentally, pre-transition, yeah. her time that she would race 500 yards was roughly 10 seconds behind the male record. Right, right. So she's about the, same, the same as she ever was. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. She's, she's not kind of, uh, you know, got some kind of huge advantage Advantages. over, yeah. quotes, biologically female swimmers. She's a good swimmer who has always been a good swimmer, continues to be a good swimmer, isn't majorly breaking records or or taking home all of the trophies or anything like that. Yeah. All of this ridiculous idea that she's kind of, it's totally unfair that she is now racing against women and that's ridiculous and unfair is is clearly bullshit when you even look at the numbers at all. And that's the problem with asking Trump anything. He will come up with bullshit about anything. And that's, for Piers Morgan's purposes, that's perfect because oh, yeah. he... He can just fire all the triggers for the for the red-faced gammon rust belt voters. One often thinks, what is Piers Morgan's motivation? And then one is, of course, it, be, it slaps you in the face. You go, oh, it's pure narcissism. That's uh-huh. all it is. It's just down to how can I get up the ratings? How can I be up there with the Alex Joneses and the, the Tucker Carlsons and all that stuff for being outrageous and employed basically yeah he just needs to be employed so you thought that number three was was fake news but number yeah. three so that would be uh, real. real no here it is we had a great time and then they honored the united states but they honored me that night which is really the honor of the country and it was at the top level and i sat next to her we talked the whole night mm-hmm. and somebody said we've never seen her smile so much we had a great time mm-hmm. She was laughing and smiling. They said they've never seen her have such a good time at a state dinner. You know, normally they're a little boring. Okay, this wasn't boring. There are pictures <laughs> of, 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 of the, queen. the Queen with Trump. Definitely she looks not laughing. utterly pissed off yeah, yeah. the entire time. There is Completely I haven't impressed. seen a picture of her laughing with Trump. There's loads of pictures of her laughing with the Obamas. Yeah. Yeah. And and 
pretty much every, every president since 1953. But yeah, she's been, she's seen a few. She has seen a few. Not seen yeah. one. Given that she, she was, was laughing and smiling all night long, that yeah. yeah. That it was the best. No. Of, surely there would be pictures of no, that. Yeah, you know? somebody said we've never seen her smile so much. Yeah, for fuck's sake! Wasn't, the wasn't... idea that the Queen <laughs> yeah. hasn't ever had a better time than having dinner with Donald Trump. Trump. That yeah. that's basically treason. She, yeah, <laughs> she's had dinner with a lot of people. That is basically what she does: weigh uh-huh. and have dinner with people. Yeah, and and. To compare all of those with with a, a cacafuego, oh, I don't think so. Jesus Christ! Yeah, yeah. Even Royal Correspondent Nicholas Witchell <laughs> would probably agree with us. Yeah, which means, unfortunately, oh man, uh, that that you did not get that one right. No, so I takes you back slipped. down below fifty percent. Ay ay ay. Yeah, yeah. But. It's episode 100 next next week, so you know could, you could I'll, you could get yeah. back up to 50, 50 out of 100. Well, I'll do it, kids. I'll do it. I'll do it for you, you lot. I'll, yeah, I'll I'll do it. You know, none of none of you shouting at the radio, <laughs> <laughs> at the wireless, going. Well, it's plainly that. Why aren't you doing it? You try doing this. You're not here. You you're you weren't there, man. Yeah. <laughs> And it's time for the part of the show that this week, at least, is called The Ministry of Truth is Not a Logical Fallacy. (laughs) Because the government have decided to start up a a thing where they they have a go at fighting disinformation and misinformation um, under the authority of the the Department of Homeland Security. How how do peddlers of mis and disinformation feel about that? They've not taken it well. No. No, no. <laughs> they've taken it personally. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. But yeah, so so what we're going to be talking about here is is Tucker Carlson's response. Yeah, which official, official insane. Legally, legally yeah. you have yeah. to. You whenever you watch it, you've got to know that he is absolutely uh, just doling out mis and disinformation, and that's yeah. that's legally true. Now, yeah. Tucker Carlson is is so insane. <laughs> yeah, it would be wrong of us to try to describe his response. So I have I have got I've got some clips right from from his response to to the news that the government is attempting mm. to do something about the level of. Uh, essentially foreign interference in elections that we saw yep. in 2016 yep. on Facebook and things like that. Uh, and here is how he set it up. Joe Biden cannot continue to control this country if you have free access to information. It's that simple. Biden certainly is not improving your life. He's not even trying to improve your life. So the best he can do is lie to you and demand that you believe it. But to do that, he needs to make certain that nobody else can talk, because if you were to hear the truth, you might not obey. How is Biden going to pull that off? It's not easy. Well, one option would be to get men with guns to tell you to shut up. Most Americans probably haven't thought of that because this isn't Africa or Eastern Europe. This is America. And we don't do things like that here and never have. More precisely, we haven't until now. And we're still not. Yeah. Would be the real way of fiction. I was still not doing it. 
or actually that's exactly what America's been doing all this time. Yeah, yeah. The Americans aren't used <laughs> to that. No, that's exactly what they do. Yeah, shut yeah. up or I'll shoot you. Yeah, that's, this, that's this whole segment is such an exercise in accelerating truth. Absolutely. It's oh, my God, yeah. And that whole thing about, well, you know, the, the we can't expose you to... He's shutting down exposing you to the truth, and yet you're able to tell us about this in your national broadcasted yeah. TV station, yeah, which earns a lot of money from subscribers. Mm, yeah, yeah, that kind, that's that kind of oh. shutting down the truth. Isn't, isn't <laughs> the... Isn't the um, isn't it also to do away with mis and disinformation being spread by people traffickers trying to convince people to go across the border in a yep. similar way that our home office is failing to dissuade people um, from listening to people traffickers? So they're kind of saying, yeah, what we're doing, we're hitting at the, the heart of those people those unscrupulous people that are trafficking people from you know the whole of Europe through France and what we're doing is is getting the the asylum seekers when they arrive on our shores and then we're we're shipping them to Rwanda but we're not do, we're doing we're not doing it on commercial airlines because none of the commercial airlines <laughs> will agree to do it so what we're doing is spending your taxpayer money to hire private jets to do that so yeah, and that's what that's doing is hitting at the heart of the people traffickers. Yes, yeah. not yeah. You wouldn't know any of that stuff yeah. from listening to Tucker no. because apparently no. it's all about shutting down anything that isn't the mainstream <laughs> narrative, which isn't at right. all what this is about. But he carries on. Here's DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. We have just established. A mis- and disinformation governance board in the Department of Homeland Security to more effectively um, combat uh, this threat, not only to election security, uh, but to our homeland security. Oh, so one of America's top law enforcement officers just announces to the Congress that actually we're going to be policing what you say, and everyone in the room kind of nods, oh yeah, it's totally normal. But here's what he didn't say. So America's told us that disinformation is a threat to Homeland Security. Now, he's the head of the Department of Homeland Security, so presumably he would know since assessing threats to Homeland Security is his job. But what he didn't tell us is how he's defining disinformation. So here you have this new and terrifying thing that the Biden administration is so concerned about that has created a new agency to fight it, but Mayorkas never said or even hinted as to what it might be. So the man in charge of the disinformation governing board never defined disinformation. It's almost unbelievable when you think about it. Would you declare war on a country you couldn't name? Would you sentence someone to death for a crime you couldn't describe? Of course you wouldn't, not if you were a sane and decent person. Again, Accelerating Truth uh, took it from... He didn't, yeah. in that, like, seven-second clip we played, define yeah. disinformation... Therefore, yeah. they can't define disinformation, which is exactly like that's sentencing thing, someone to death for a crime yeah. you can't describe. Or declaring war on a country you can't name. Both yeah. which America has, has done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You it know, would be, wouldn't be tricky, yeah. too difficult yeah. to prove. But yeah, yeah that's yeah. fucking wow. insane. Just because yeah, he didn't specifically explain what, what disinformation, disinformation is in that bit, 
the yeah. point is they are taking these clips out of context. Yeah, yeah. And and do you know what they're doing with them? They're turning them into misinformation. Absolutely. Yeah. That yeah. that response yeah. that um Mayorkas wow. gave was to a direct question from a Democratic representative for Rhode Island, Jim Langevin, who yeah. said Mr. Secretary, can you tell us what the department's doing, the DHS, what you're doing to shore up election security from Russian cyber interference, give confidence to the committee and the American people, we've got this and we're ready to protect and defend our electoral process. And that was the the answer that Mayorkas gave of we have established this governance board to effectively combat this threat. That's the threat they were talking about. Yeah. Not, we are going to monitor what you Americans, what you Congress say, and and decide whether we think you're allowed to think it or not, and then we will come with guns and stop you from thinking it. Yeah. Not any of that at all. No. No. (laughs) But but Carlson is aimed at those people that continue to subscribe to Fox Nation and his shows and that's all he's worried about. So and as we've discovered from watching not the social contract but all sorts of other documentaries about social media is that they're geared to the algorithms for anger. If you get angry about stuff then you get more of that in your feed and that gets popular and is monetizable and all that kind of stuff. If you're happy about things, less so. So, and and Carlson is exploiting that kind of algorithm. Oh, absolutely. It's he, just he he. If if he had any, it's a, it's a big ask. If he had any shred of integrity, he would kind of go. And I've been peddling this kind of misinformation all this time, and, and I'm doing it right now. That's why I'm so worried about that, it. Yes, exactly. And I'm doing so right now in order to divert your attention away from that because I'm worried about my subscriptions. Yeah. yeah. So, and the level of scaremongering that he does, yeah. I think this is the kind of pinnacle. But now Joe Biden is president and everything is different. So today, to herald the coming of the new Soviet America... The administration announced its own Ministry of Truth. This will be called the Disinformation Governance Board. Laugh if you want, but just to show you they're not kidding around here, this board is not part of the State Department or any other agency focused on foreign threats from abroad. No. The Disinformation Governance Board is part of the Department of Homeland Security. DHS is a law enforcement agency designed to police the United States and and that, by the way, has a famously large stockpile of ammunition. So it's not a joke at all. The DHS yeah. is not an organisation designed to police the United States. There's a name no. for the organisation designed to police the United States. Yeah. It's called the police. Yeah. <laughs> Clues in the question. Yes. Yeah. They are absolutely an organisation that deals with threats from abroad. That's kind yeah. of the point. The U.S. Customs Service is part of the DHS. Immigration and naturalization is part of the DHS. TSA yeah. is part of the DHS. Yeah. The, the fucking Coast Guard is part <laughs> of the DHS. Yeah. The Coast Guard are not men with gu- Well, they are men with guns, t- yeah. technically speaking, but they're not a law enforcement organization designed to stop you from thinking, thinking what you want to think. Stuff outside the mainstream. The fact that yeah. they have, that the DHS, that some 
sections of the DHS have law enforcement powers yeah. does not mean that that is what the DHS is as a whole. They also have responsibility for, for cyber security. So that's yeah. really why it's part yeah. of the DHS. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and so the fact that this is part of the DHS rather than part of the State Department, which wouldn't make any sense because yeah. that's about negotiating with other countries, not yeah. protecting your borders and yeah. your cyber borders, is not an indication that, that, that therefore men with guns are coming for you if you if don't think, accept think everything Joe Biden says. Yeah. Wow. And you can't fucking think insane. That it's, it's completely bonkers. And the the thing is that yeah, you know, the whole kind of Soviet America thing. Yeah, yeah. It's just if it to to what end is he? What's the point of this? It is the point to get Trump back in. I mean, what's the because, point of any of Tucker well, Carlson's shit? Yeah, what's the <laughs> what's the point of any of it? Frankly, yeah. <laughs> For a moment, setting that to one side. For us. Theoretically, yeah. assuming there is a point, yeah, what is, would it be? Is it well because because Trump <laughs> Trump is is even members of his own tribe when it was all when the game was up, they kind of went, yeah, we went along with all his his which is you know, fundamentally mis and disinformation all this time. Some of them still are. Going, oh yeah, oh, yeah you know the the election was stolen and blah 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 and you know there are countless people that are going to be arrested and and all that kind. Of, it's not happened, and <laughs> so there there are still that he is Trump and the Republicans are the bastions of mis mis and disinformation. They are the experts of that. That's what they do. And here's Tucker Carlson doing exactly the same in order to usher in a new Republican epoch of mis- and disinformation. Yeah. I mean, you can totally see why he's threatened by it. There's no yeah. question about that. Yeah, yeah. There, there ha- I have seen some suggestion, and I'm scared to the extent that this might be realistic... Yeah, that Tucker is gearing up for a potential run for office. Career. Yes, no, well, a potential sense, presidential run. Even makes sense. Do you know, he's right wing enough for the Republicans to kind of go, "Oh yeah," and you and you've got a TV show, haven't you? Oh yeah, and you're not Alex Jones, so yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe, just maybe. No, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So if the Department of Homeland Security clamps down on mis and disinformation, you know, they might have something to say about or they might, the they whole might of Fox News. Accidentally kind of rush him into his political career. Yeah, <laughs> in yeah. The same way that yeah. Seth Meyers did when um, yeah. he took yeah. the piss out of uh, Trump at the yeah. White House Correspondents' Dinner. And have I got news for you? Had Boris Johnson as a host. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's dangerous stuff. Ah. Uh, and finally, some things we really don't have time to talk about. In today's Republican Party, being a liar is not just acceptable, it's a requirement for the job. But if you want to be a top Republican, like House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, just lying isn't enough. At McCarthy's elite level, you have to also lie about the lies you tell, and then if possible, lie about the fact you lied about that. 
New York Times reporters Alexander Burns and Jonathan Martin revealed last month that they have a book coming out and therefore have information that is vital for everyone to know now that it might benefit them financially. That information included the claim that McCarthy told other Republican leaders after January 6th that he would be pushing Trump to resign. Realising that made him sound like he valued democracy more than the opinion of a whiny loser, McCarthy couldn't let the allegation stand and immediately issued a statement saying, The New York Times reporting on me is totally false and wrong. It comes as no surprise that the corporate media is obsessed with doing everything it can to further a liberal agenda. Which was undermined a little bit when the audio of the conversation was released in which he said, The only discussion I would have with him is that I think this will pass. And it would be my recommendation we should be done. Um, I mean, that would be my take, but I don't think he would take it. But McCarthy expertly pivoted to lying about the lie he told, claiming it wasn't a lie because he didn't actually talk to Trump about it, which coincidentally proves that what he said on the phone to Liz Cheney was also a lie. Tucker Carlson briefly noticed that at some level of the inception-based lying system, McCarthy was less than 100% in Trump's pocket and called him a dem puppet. But otherwise, it doesn't seem to have harmed his standing in the GOP. Convicted criminal permanently wearing a rubber mask of Stan Laurel, Roger Stone, and fat pillow-flogging Rupert Pupkin tribute act Mike Lindell both made triumphant returns to Twitter in the wake of Elon Musk possibly, is he, will he, really buying it. In the name of free speech, Stone announced, I'm back, bitches, and Lindell said, all those fake accounts in my name, they're fake. This is the real one, and I'm back making a permanent stand for freedom of speech in the wake of their being booted off for spreading mis- and disinformation about the 2020 election and viciously attacking the press for reporting Russian involvement in the 2016 election, the pair of them lasted barely half a day before they got suspended again for breaking the making a new account in your own name after having been banned previously for being the very person you are rule. Of course, they all got huffy, but we didn't really hear about it because, ha, 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 they're not on Twitter. <laughs> Though Lindell is on his own platform, Frank Social, which appears to be as inaccurately titled as Trump's Truth Social. I hope Elon keeps the Twitter brand name. Somehow Musk Social sounds like it would stink. <laughs> In today's Republican Party, the one place where lying seems to be a bit less acceptable is when you're under oath, which is presumably why Marjorie Taylor Greene kept it simple during the recent hearing about whether she should be allowed to run for re-election given her support for overthrowing the democratically elected government. It's not that she didn't lie, don't be so ridiculous, it's just that she claimed she didn't remember basically anything about anything she did around the beginning of January 2021. For example, while she apparently remembers that nobody in her office provided tours of the Capitol to insurrectionists in the days before January 6th, she's a little hazier on whether she texted Mark Meadows to suggest Trump declare martial law. While that seems like the kind of thing that would stick in your mind, you have to remember that this is a woman who spells martial law M-A-R-S-H-A-L-L. So she's not exactly the smartest insurrectionist in the box. We know she spells it that way because we have the text messages that she claims not to remember sending. (laughs) Which is a bit inconvenient for her, but probably won't matter because nothing seems to anymore. There's that scene in Idiocracy where the future parliament rules on some life-threatening decision or other in the only way they know Americans can. Monster trucks! 
Of course, the everyman from our time is left dumbstruck at the inanity of what's become God's chosen country. Well, it walks among us now. Jezebel.com reports that this weekend's Stronger Men Conference in Springfield, Missouri, exists to empower and motivate men to live out God's view of manhood and be the best husbands, fathers and leaders God has called them to be. Among the frequently asked questions on the conference website are Can my son come with me? And can I gather a group of men at my house to watch the conference with me? As Jezebel reporter Laura Bassett points out, Men, if you have to go to the Stronger Men's Conference website to ask whether you're allowed to have friends over at your home to watch it together, I'm concerned that you have some emotional problems that can't be solved by monster trucks and pyrotechnics. At $119 a ticket, that's what you get. A peculiar gospel-powered spectacle of electric guitarists slung atop a scaffold tower a la Mad Max Fury Road, shrieking, here we go, as a monster truck lamely drives off the end of a ramp onto some cars whilst flames go up in the air. If Christianity and masculinity need the adhesive power of expensively wrought sooty nasal bookers, then yep, I am too worried about who men really are. Not satisfied with banning books about babies not being racist and unicorns pretending to be horses, Florida's answer to what if mediocre white male fragility was a person, Ron DeSantis, is targeting maths. Or, since you Americans only have one of them, math. Florida State Board of Education rejected 54 of the 132 math textbooks submitted for consideration because they contained references to critical race theory or included social-emotional learning. Various news outlets, including the Tampa Bay Times and New York Times, scoured the textbooks for problematic material and, hard as this may be to believe, were unable to find any references in the largely elementary and high school textbooks to the academic framework taught in law school about systemic racism. Some of the books did acknowledge that people from Vietnam or Africa exist. Ah. One suggested learning about polynomials using a data set of responses to Harvard's implicit association test, which looks at hidden biases, including racism. Most of the other books appear to have been banned for including social-emotional learning, which is the frightening and dangerous concept that fostering empathy and compassion helps people learn. It seems to have been targeted because it has been shown to be particularly effective in schools with a diverse population. And if there's one thing Ron DeSantis doesn't want to be accused of, it's helping minorities. Mm, Social-emotional learning, complete anathema to the Republican (laughs) Party. I refuse to learn anything socially or emotionally. (laughs) Especially if it's particularly effective in schools with a diverse population. The results of the Economist slash YouGov poll this week found the following to actually be held true by the US voting public. Top Democrats are involved in elite child sex trafficking rings. When asked among Republican respondents, 52% said it's either definitely true, 20%, or probably true, 32%. Even though the media report says whilst most Americans don't believe this statement to be true, alarmingly, among Democratic voters, 13% said it's either definitely true at 5% or probably true at 8%. And among independent voters, 30% said it's either definitely true 10% or probably true 20%. An even greater percentage of Republicans believe that 
regardless of who is officially in charge of the government and other organisations, there is a single group of people who secretly control events and rule the world together. <laughs> Among Republican respondents, 54% said it's either definitely true at 60% or probably true at 38%. Among Democratic voters, 28% said it's either definitely true at 9% or probably true at 19%. And among independent voters, 40% said it's either definitely true 10% or probably true 30%. The report doesn't say how many respondents there were to the poll, nor whether they were all inmates of Arkham Asylum. But one can only hope that the QAnonsensical, schizophrenic, narcissistic idiots take questions are chained up, good and proper, and not running for office. Hmm. Some hope. Yeah, the scariest thing for me in that yeah. is that 5% of Democrat voters yeah. think it's definitely think true. Think it's definitely true that top Democrats are involved in elite child sex trafficking rings yeah. but are still democrat voters yes yes stop voting for them <laughs> yeah, if you exactly. if you think it's definitely true yeah i mean arguably stop voting if you think it's probably true yeah yeah <laughs> jesus fucking well, christ uh, the, well the scariest bit for me was that the independent voters <laughs> but they're going oh yeah, yeah. it's prob probably true Oh, yeah, it's probably true. Oh, I wouldn't put it past them. Yeah, yeah, exactly oh, that. Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah. Well, yes. <laughs> oh, my God. Back in 2016, Republican Senate candidate for Ohio, J.D. Vance, called himself a never-Trumper and said he thought Trump might be America's Hitler. But that was before he saw Trump completely fail to revoke Obamacare, fumble a pandemic response resulting in the deaths of hundreds of thousands of Americans, lose humiliatingly and ferment an insurrection. So now he's fully on board. And since Trump doesn't have sufficient brain capacity to retain the memories required to hold a grudge, he's endorsing Vance in his Senate run against Josh Mandel. In fact, Trump travelled to Ohio at the weekend specifically to hold a rally about how very much he endorses J.D. Vance and definitely not Josh Mandel, who you should not vote for if you like Trump. And I don't think he could have been any clearer about it. You know, we've endorsed Dr. Oz. We've endorsed J.P., right? J.D. Mandel. So... If you're a Trump voter in Ohio, remember, ignore the bits where it says J.D. Vance and Josh Mandel and write in J.D. Mandel or J.P., whatever. If the former president can't be bothered to check who he's endorsing before he does it, why bother to check who you're voting for? Exactly. He's just, he's just more concerned with the check itself. Yeah, so I'm going to turn up and I'm going to say, what have I got to say who, J about J who? J.P., J.D., oh, Mandel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Meanwhile... Over here in the UK, just when you thought the Tory party couldn't get any weirder, Tory MP Neil Parrish resigned this week for looking at porn on his phone while at work. Eventually, in true Boris fashion, he was going to wait for the investigation to complete. He finally said the situation was that, funnily enough, it was tractors I was looking at. I did get into another website that had a very similar name and I watched it for a bit, which I shouldn't have. But my crime, biggest crime, is that on another occasion I went in a second time in the actual House of Commons during the day 
with people there, but it was all right. He wasn't doing it in such a way that other people could see. He does have some sense of decency, as he says. I mean, I have 12 years in Parliament and probably got one of the best reputations ever. Or did have. Well, quite. Similarly, whilst thinking there's nothing wrong with fucking us all over at his workplace, Chancellor Rishi Sunak has signalled support for a windfall tax on energy firms if they fail to use their profits, which have been hugely inflated by the higher price of oil and gas, for the benefit of the UK. If companies aren't going to make investments in our energy security, of course, that's something I'd look at, he told the Mumsnet website. Might work. Look how successful trickle-down quantitative easing was in convincing us poor saps that big business was actually doing something about levelling up and closing the gap between rich and poor after the last crisis and not just lining their offshore accounts. And ahead of certain defeat in local elections this Thursday, May 5th, our midterms in a way, Tory party culture secretary and actual cabinet minister in actual charge of tackling misinformation, Nadine Dorries, tried the distraction game by tweeting a picture of Keir Starmer eating curry alongside another Labour Party member during lockdown and boiling with rage that all the focus had been on good boy Boris. Problem is, Keir is pictured sitting next to Frank Dobson, who died in 2019. Yep, a well-educated, highly qualified class act, our government. <laughs> so that's all the bad arguments and faulty reasoning we have time for this week. You'll find the show notes at fallaciousTrump.com and if you hear Trump say something stupid and want to ask if it's a fallacy, our contact details are on the contact page. If you think we've used a fallacy ourselves, let us know. And if you've had a good time, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts or simply tell one other person in person about how much they'd like our podcast. And you can support the show at patreon.com slash ftrump just like our straw man level patrons, Steve Bickle, Schmoots, Mark Reiki, and Amber R. Buchanan, and our true Scotsman's level patrons, Kaz Tui, Andrew Houck, Max Beaver, and our top patron, Lauren. Thanks so much for your support, people. It's really very appreciated. You can connect with those awesome people, as well as us and other listeners, in the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Fallacious Trump. All music is by the Outbursts and was used with permission. So until next time on Fallacious Trump, We'll leave the last word to the Donald. That's right. Go home to mommy. Bye. Bye.